0: On the last Sunday of December 1962, a small group of faithful followers of Jesus gathered here to worship for the first time together. Their prayer that day was that this tiny seed they were planting would grow into oaks of righteousness, as Isaiah 61 says, and that they would glorify the Lord. They believed that the church mattered and could be a lighthouse shining the love of Jesus in Bloomington and beyond. And it wasn't long until God started answering their prayer. And this new church that started from humble beginnings began to grow and mature. In 1963, they relocated to the corner of Walnut and Grimes and became Walnut Street Christian Church. They loved and served one another. They made sacrifices for the church and the church to come. Ten years later, this young congregation moved to a new location on Winslow Road. They were eager to continue their mission and wanted to be present in the developing Sherwood Oaks neighborhood. And to identify with their new neighbors, they changed their name to Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Fast forward to today, that faithful group that gathered here in 1962, believing that the church matters, has now grown into a vibrant church family in two different communities that continues to love and serve one another and seeks to glorify the Lord while bringing hope and joy to this community and beyond. And while so much has changed at Sherwood Oak since 1962, our core conviction is still the same. The church matters, not just the building, but the people. The church matters to Jesus. It's His body sent out on mission to love Him and serve others. It matters to us in the way that we show up for one another being a steady presence of empathy and care in the good times and in the bad. And the church matters to our community as we seek to build bridges of friendship and trust to those who are not yet connected to Jesus. As we approach the 60th anniversary of Sherwood Oaks Christian Church, we believe that the church still matters. Because when you find Jesus, and you find your people, and you find your purpose, then everything Changes. The church still matters. And depending on who you talk to, uh, that's kind of a hot take because not everyone agrees with that. I know Christians and non Christians alike. That would question whether or not the church still matters i've talked to people who have been followers of Jesus for years, and somewhere along the way, they stopped going to church. Maybe they grew up and they moved away from their parents' house, and they no longer uh, kind of had their parents watching over them to make sure that they still went to church, and so they kind of got out of the habit, and to them, the church doesn't matter in their life anymore, it doesn't play any kind of functional role for them, or maybe they were the parents, and they went. To church because because they wanted their kids to be raised in the church. But then when the parents uh, no longer you know they were now empty nesters, uh, they stopped going to church as well. Maybe life got busy, things came up, new priorities. Uh, life uh, changed for a lot of us around COVID, and many people stopped coming during that time. They don't join online anymore. I've had people tell me, Sean, I can be a Christian and not go to church. To them, the church no longer matters in their life, and they don't really see why it ever would again. I've also talked to people who would argue that the church is this outdated institution with backwards beliefs that it's no longer needed in our modern society. Some write off the church as this corrupt organization that is filled with power-hungry preachers and people who are more quick to judge than to love. And to be fair, if if you've seen any news out there about the church, the big C church, then you know they've got plenty of things that they can point to to support that argument. And to them, the church no longer matters. And they would look at it and they would say, good riddance. (laughs) I've talked to others who are worried about the future of the church and if it will still matter a generation from now, if it's still going to be relevant in the lives of their kids or their grandkids. And and so often when I have conversations with, with these folks, they speak in terms of like warfare, like, like our culture is the enemy that we are out to destroy. And so they talk about losing ground or losing power or trying to take back control. To, to them, they are afraid that the church won't matter 20 years from now. And out of that fear, they fight the wrong battles and they fight the wrong people. And they actually push others away from the church. And then I've talked to others who have reached the absolute end of their rope. They don't know where else to turn. And so they turn to the church and they turn to Jesus and they find the hope that they were looking for. I talked to people who didn't know how they were going to make ends meet, how they were going to pay off that medical bill or how they were going to repair their car. And someone in the church generously shared their resources with them. I talked to people who developed a friendship with one of their coworkers who was just different than, than everyone else, and they were drawn to that, and they found that what they were actually drawn to in that person was Jesus living and moving inside of them. And I've talked to people who have received diagnoses that have brought fear and anxiety. And the next morning, a group of friends gathered outside their house to pray. And it brought peace knowing that they did not walk alone, but that they were with a church who loves them. Now I think about these stories and in the countless others that I could stand here and share with you this morning. I am convinced that the church still matters. And not only does the church still matter, but listen, you still matter to the church. Because here's the thing, you are the church. The church is not the building. You are the church. It is the people. God doesn't use buildings or programs to accomplish his work. He uses people like you and like me. And the church matters most when the people of God who make it up live out his desire for it, to be a caring community that shares each other's burdens, that worships and walks in faith, that partners and lives together on mission so that others may find the hope and the grace and the peace and the love of the Father that we have found. As we approach the 60th anniversary of Sherwood Oaks on December 4th, we are gonna talk uh, over the next several weeks about why the church still matters and why you still matter to the church and you play a vital role in it. And here's, here's a little hint. The role is to not be a pew filler. You play a vital role in the church, in the body of Christ that is being raised up and sent out on mission to reach more people with Jesus. The church still matters and we want to build a community that will long outlast every single one of us. And that those who come behind us will continue to grow and serve and go out and live on mission. So let's jump in. If you brought a Bible uh, or if you have a Bible app that you like to use, I invite you to turn with me to our text today. Second Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians five. We'll also have the words up on up on the screen and we're going we're gonna to start this series, week one, uh, by talking about what God desires for the church. What does God desire for the church? And I want to I start there because I think it's really easy for, for us, for me, to get caught up in what we desire for the church. And totally forget to ask, I wonder what God wants from his church. And since the church was his idea, instead of starting with our preferences and the things we want in the church, instead of starting with, well, I wish we had more of that, or I wish we had less of this, or I wish we did this more or this less, whatever it might be, instead of starting with us, I want us to build a firm foundation on this series by looking at what God desires for his church. And I think our text today gives us a really good glimpse into that. And we're just going to kind of take it piece. By peace. 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 17. The Apostle Paul writes this Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. All right, let's push pause right there. And the Apostle Paul says that those who are in Christ who have put their faith in Jesus that that we are new creations the image that Paul is using here it it brings up the image of a caterpillar transforming and metamorphosizing into a butterfly it is a complete and total transformation the old is dead and gone and the new is alive and it is here And Paul says that this is not from us. Like we don't work to manufacture this on our own. He says that all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself. And that word reconciled is a key word in this passage. It's something that we see actually used multiple times in the verses to come. And something is reconciled when it is made right, when it is restored back to the way that it should be. And so when we put our faith in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we are reconciled back to God. Our relationship with Him that was broken by our sin is restored. And that reconciliation happens immediately. Like as soon as we put our faith in Jesus, We are reconciled to God. We are made right with him and brought back into unity and relationship with the God of the universe who is our father. But then that process of transformation begins. As you know, from your own life, from the life of the person sitting next to you, whoever it is, that process of new creation doesn't happen overnight. It is ongoing work that the spirit's doing in us. If you've been around for a little bit, you know my, my favorite verse is Hebrews 10, 14. And I think that it, it summarizes a little bit about what we're talking about here. It says, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever. And I think that is the reconciliation. We are brought into a perfect relationship with the Father because when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. He sees perfection. And so we are made perfect forever. We are reconciled to him. Those who are being made holy, those who are in that process of transformation, those who are in the process of becoming more and more like Jesus and less and less like who they used to be. And so reconciliation happens the moment we put our faith in Jesus. We are made perfect in God's eyes because when he looks at us, he sees his son. He no longer sees our guilt or our shame or our sin. He sees perfection. That's what brings us back into a right relationship with the Father. And then we begin to transform into that new creation as we are made holy. I think God's ultimate desire for us, His church, is that we continue to grow in our faith and our love for Him. And that out of this vibrant new relationship that we have with the father, we find ourselves getting caught up less and less with the worries and the cares of this world, less and less with the things that we used to be worried and concerned about. And we get caught up more and more and more into the cares of the kingdom, into the things that Jesus cares about, into the people that Jesus cares about. The outcast, the marginalized, the marginalized the broken and the hurting, those that when we look through the Gospels, while everyone else moved away from, Jesus moved right towards. He came to seek and save the lost. And and as we become those new creations looking more and more like Jesus, that's where we move to. We don't isolate in the church. We get out of the walls of the church and we go to bring the news to others. And as our life and our values and our behaviors begin to be transformed by this renewing relationship with the Father, we are sent out into the world to continue this mission that Jesus started. And in that, in a way, we become, the church becomes the second incarnation of Christ. It's why when you read through the New Testament, you hear a lot of body language. We are the body of Christ. We are that second incarnation of Christ who goes out to continue his mission around us. And Paul puts it like this in our text, going back up to verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. But that's not where it ends. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against Him them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Those of us who make up the church, God's reconciled and transformed people, we have now been entrusted with this ministry of reconciliation. We have been sent out to continue what Jesus started to restore the lives and the things in this world that sin has broken. We have been sent out to be a part of bringing people back To the Father. This is God's desire for the church. And notice the language that Paul uses here. He says that we are an ambassador of Christ. An ambassador is someone that is sent by their home country to be its official representative in a foreign land. They represent and they speak for their sending authority. That's the language that Paul uses here to describe who we are in Christ. Scripture says, makes it very clear that this world is not our home, that we are aliens living in a foreign land. And our role, our role in those places where we live and we work and we play is to be an ambassador of Christ in that place. If you are in Christ, you are a missionary. And your mission is wherever you happen to find your feet. And we live in those places Loving and serving the way that Jesus lived and loved and served. and I think that Jesus is our perfect model for really everything in life. But Jesus is our perfect model of how to be an ambassador in this world. We see four characteristics in Jesus that I hope to see in my life and and in our church as we engage the, the culture and the world around us. Jesus was eager to love and to serve. He was eager to do the will of the Father and that eagerness drove him to be present in the lives of hurting people. In fact, all of Jesus' most impactful and powerful moments happened when he was with people. He ate with them, he walked with them, he shared life with them. Even the people that the religious people would look back and be like, Jesus, are you sure you wanna hang out with him? He's like, no, that's exactly who I came out to hang out with. He was present, and because he was present, Jesus was also empathetic. He didn't just look from a distance and look at their pain. He entered into it. He felt it with them. He feels it with us, sometimes physical pain, sometimes emotional pain, sometimes even spiritual pain caused by their religious leaders. Jesus was empathetic. He felt what others felt. And he came alongside of them, and Jesus was thoughtful. He was intentional in how he lived and where he went and what he did. Eager, present, empathetic, thoughtful. I can't think of four better words to describe how we can live as ambassadors of the kingdom of God here on earth. Earth. That's how I want to represent Jesus, and it's how we, as God's church, can be Christ ambassadors in Bloomington and Bedford and beyond. And my prayer is that these four characteristics will become defining traits. For how we relate to one another in the church and how we engage our community and how we pursue our vision to unleash the church with the love of Jesus to make an eternal difference in the lives of at risk people. We want to be eager and present and empathetic and thoughtful as we partner with others to tear down barriers that keep people from Jesus. As we cross every socioeconomic divide to care for people and work for their good, because we believe that every person has value and dignity in the Lord. And we want to be eager and present and empathetic and thoughtful as we go to any length necessary to give hope to the hopeless and freedom to those who are held captive by their hurts, their hangups, or their habits. And we are not going to rest on the church that we used to be. We are not going to rest on, on the dream about the glory days of Sherwood Oaks. We are going to eagerly attack the mission and the opportunity in front of us to reach new people As I've talked with church leaders across the country and even here in our own community, I've come to the conclusion that too many churches are more concerned about who they have lost than who they have yet to reach. Too many churches are more concerned about who they have lost than who they have yet to reach. They are concerned about the church that they used to be than the church that they are becoming. And listen, the truth is, we are not the church we used to be. I had a friend tell me a couple of weeks ago, Sean, we don't, we don't say bad news enough around here. <laughs> we're not the church that we used to be. And believe me, I have plenty of people who remind me of that. <laughs> but man, I'm telling you, we're also not the church that we're going to be. I think that God has a bright future ahead for Sherwood Oaks. I cannot wait to see where he is going to take us. And listen, we are never going to be the church that we're going to be. Like we're never going to get to a place where we go, you know what? We've probably reached enough people for Jesus. We're just going to kick back and relax and kind of take it easy until Jesus returns or, you know, the church dies. No, we're never going to settle for that. We are going to continue to push into our mission, believing that there are more people to reach and to serve There are more people who need to know the hope that is in Jesus. Listen, church, we are not going to be content with becoming fat babies who just take in and take in and take in and who never put their faith in action by doing anything. Man, we are going to go out eager to reach people who have not yet heard of Jesus, who do not yet know, love, and follow Jesus. God's desire for his church is that we would be ambassadors for Christ in this world. That those who are being transformed into these new creations, reconciled back to God, would take this ministry of reconciliation and not only share it with others, but participate in it by renewing and restoring the things that sin has broken back to the way God desires for them to be. And helping more people find and experience the love and the grace of the Father that we have found. God has sent us out on this enormous mission. And our message as his ambassadors is simply this, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is our message That is our message to a hurting and broken world. Not that God has come to judge and condemn you, but that God has taken all of your regrets, all of your mistakes, all of the hurts and the pain that you have caused others and yourself and that others have caused you. He has taken all of those things and he has poured them on his son, Jesus. He piled them up on him as Jesus hung on the cross And he bore the weight of our sin and the sins of others. And when we put our faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the Father no longer counts those things against us. We are brought back into a right relationship, transformed into a new creation. And then we are sent out on mission as Christ ambassadors. That is God's desire for his church. And so at Sherwood Oaks, may we be eager to share this message in ministry with those around us. May we be present in our community as the hands and the feet of Jesus. May we empathetically and thoughtfully love and serve each other and those around us. And may we share the good news of God's grace in the way that we live, in the way that we love and in the way that we invite others to find and follow Jesus with us. If you're here today and you can say yes and amen to that, I just want to invite you to stand with me right now. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer before we transition. Let this be a moment where we say, God, it is not about what we desire, but may we be the church that you desire. God, search our hearts. And if there's anything in us, God, if there's anything in me that wants from Sherwood Oak something that is contrary to you, God, would you please rip it out, remove it. And Lord, may we passionately pursue more of you. God, may we passionately pursue those in our community, in our world who are living far from you, who have not found the hope and the joy and the peace of Christ that we have found. God, may we do anything and everything short of sin to bring them to you, to serve them and to love them, to be a part of God, of restoring and reconciling what sin has broken in their life and in our community and in this world. Lord, may you find us faithful to your mission and your ministry until the day you call us home or you return. That is my prayer for my life, for our lives, God. That is my prayer for this church. And may the ministry of Sherwood Oaks that has a long history of faith and impact for your kingdom. God may the future be just as bright, if not more, as we see you move in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org/slash messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.